0: is going on. Happy hump day. Welcome to the Wild Soul Podcast with your host, me, Queen Namaste. This is the podcast where we talk about all things wild, nothing is off the table, and I interview local people and people from around the globe who are just doing amazing things and lifting the vibration of the planet. So if it is your first time here on the podcast, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And if it's not, welcome back. I am... Yeah, so excited. I always seem am so excited, but I really love this platform. Uh, just connecting with people, having conversations that matter and undistracted conversations without technology or phones getting in the way and just being with another human being. Huh, this is just, it's been a really amazing time making this podcast and this episode is actually number 50. Wow. (laughs) I've interviewed or talked on this thing 50 times. And yeah, if you've been listening since the beginning, I appreciate you so much. Thanks. Thank you for all the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for the feedback. I'm truly blessed. And I just know that stuff's gonna go big in 2020. And I am just really happy. So just wanted to pour out like the immense gratitude that I have for everyone that listens and for everyone that's been on the podcast. It's been super cool. So thanks. Okay, that's my wishy story. And anyways, today, we're continuing on with the bro show. So (laughs) we have another amazing man on the Wild Soul podcast today and his name is Kaylor Betts. And Kaylor and I also met online. Thank you, internet. (laughs) I meet so many of my amazing guests online and I'm very happy that online brought us together because Kaylor is not messing around. He is a light and doing amazing things in this world in the realm of mental health and just being an awesome human being in general um but mental health um spreading awareness about it is his jam he struggled with mental health in his childhood um and I'll let him get into his story about that because it's a good one um From mental health into the realm of being an entrepreneur, um, opening up his own gym, and then realizing that he got involved with that for all the wrong reasons, um, to now creating the Mental Wealth Project, which is a podcast and a platform to end the stigma of mental health, and it shares stories of other people going through Mental health challenges and really that's the only way that we are going to end the stigma is to make it Aware public share people's stories because as Taylor says in this interview, we could just hashtag that shit all day But what difference does that really make so I am excited for this interview it was really fun getting to know Taylor and He's a local Canadian boy if the Canadians are listening, and actually we uh, interviewed this, or we recorded this, like, late January mid-January and he was just about to go to Bali so yeah from the freezing tundra of Alberta to the hot wonderful island of the gods Bali so he's actually there right now and probably having the most amazing time because it was amazing for me and Bali changed basically everything (laughs) for me so yeah, this is Kayler's interview. Hope you like, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> mental health. If you do like this podcast, be sure to follow the Wild Soul Podcast on Instagram at the Wild Soul Podcast. Feel free to reach out to me at queen.namaste on Instagram. Whether that's you just saying hello, loved the podcast, or if you'd like to be featured on the Wild Soul Podcast, hit me up, we can chat, and... If you do like this episode or all the podcasts that you have listened to, if you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe, and that's all I got to say because that helps. Win-win. Yeah. Also, I do have one little announcement before we begin this interview is I am hosting or co-hosting another Full Moon Circle for March's full moon, March 9th, which is a Monday night, and I am co-hosting it with Yana. We did one in December together, and we are hosting it at the Conscious Lab downtown on Richard Street, 6.30 to 9 p.m. It is a co-ed event, and if you want more information, the event link is in my bio on Instagram, so feel free to Come, it's gonna be lit, it's gonna be such good vibes, good times, and I'd love to see your beautiful face there and share space with you. So if that's something that you are interested in, go to the event bite page on either of our Instagrams. All right, let's get started with this interview with Kayler Betts. <laughs> Kayler, welcome to the WealthSouth Podcast. What is going
1: on? Thank you for having me. I appreciate this.
0: Oh my gosh, thank you for coming on. I'm so stoked to like talk to you about everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it.
0: I've kind of just been stalking you on the gram for a couple months. so That's okay. I
1: think we all, we all do a little stalking. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. I appreciate it.
0: Um, so the first question I always ask my guests are like, who are they? So who is Kayler?
1: Um, is a guy who really, really struggled growing up, uh, in my development. I struggled with everything from depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, low confidence, ADHD, addictions. Um, I was just all over the place and, uh, really, really struggled. And I really didn't know why. And I didn't know what it was, you know, I kind of got the feeling that everyone just kind of struggled. Right. And, um, you know, when I say I struggled in my development, I mean from essentially as early back as I can remember, like my earliest memories of my life, all the way up until like my early 20s was when things really started to turn. And I suppose maybe around 19 or so things started to turn. Um, Now, after I struggled throughout my whole life with all these different mental health challenges, I didn't really recognize or know what these things were until I was, um, yeah, about the time it started to turn So about 19 or so. And, um, then I got on this obsessive journey to not only transform my life because I recognized, um, that you could get to a point where you could overcome these things and you could become unstoppable and feel unstoppable um i got on an obsessive journey to do that because i had been in pain for so much long and in a battle with my mind for so long and not only that then i basically made it my life's mission to make sure that anyone else out there struggling Um, you know, doesn't have to go through those things as well, too. Um, So, you know, growing up, I was kind of the athletic uh, jock, kind of like didn't do well in school, kind of ADHD uh, figure and and individual uh, that everyone thought I had it all together. um, But I really didn't. And um, then I kind of Uh, you know, class clown as well, too, and uh, very outgoing, I very much overcompensated for a lot of the pain that I was in and kind of tried to, you know, make it so that if I projected that I was this very happy, well put together person that maybe people uh, would think that uh, I have it all together, and maybe think uh, I am happy. And maybe that would even make me happy. So that's kind of who I was growing up. And then, you know, once I got into my 20s, I became a personal trainer. And that's really um, when my journey started, when it came to the transformation and also getting into the industry and the space of helping other people as well, too. Um, So I started as a personal trainer, fitness and nutrition coach, basically when I was 19, Um, really started helping people. Uh, back then, uh, with their fitness and nutrition, because I was really into working out and stuff like that and, and eating properly and, and whatnot, and started training clients. And I saw right before my own eyes for the first time in my life, because I didn't even graduate high school, I was three credits short of graduating high school, that's how much I struggled. I saw for the first time in my life at 19 years old, that i could help transform someone's life you know i was here i was this 19 year old punk who has struggled his whole life but has this hobby of working out and eating properly and i didn't realize that there were 45 year old lawyers out there who were 50 pounds overweight and needed help with that and so i started doing that really at that time, I started to get into Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and Les Brown and all these personal development guys. And they, for the first time, were giving me this whole other perspective that you can change your life, you can, you know, be in pain, and you can completely transform your mind, your mindset, and, uh, and really achieve great things. And they were starting to get me a little bit of a taste of that. I started to improve mentally, I started to pick up my physical, my uh, my physical health through nutrition and fitness and then I just got obsessed with personal growth and just all of that and uh, I went on that journey myself took my clients on the journey with me started kind of coaching people you know and this is now 21 22 23 started helping people with their mindset and um, you know fast forward to really now um, I had a career as a fitness and nutrition coach for about ten years and um, worked with lots of clients had a gym for five years um that uh did really well and and uh was a really awesome experience and kind of achieved a lot of what i wanted to achieve when it came to the fitness world um opened up my dream location with the fitness facility ten thousand square feet nine trainers chiropractor massage group classes personal training it was you know, amazing to achieve. And then I realized, you know, I wasn't really happy at the end of the day. All I wanted to do was just really help people and help people with transformation. So ended up um, moving on from the gym, very tough experience, but moved on one of the best decisions I ever made, uh, even though it was one of the hardest. And now here I am today in the last few years, um, I've now really kind of kept the, nutri- I was in the marketing space for a while cause I love marketing and business, but, um, and, and, did well in that space. But now I'm really kind of, uh, still coaching people with a little bit of an aspect of nutrition, but i really coaching people on, you know, mindset, mental health, taking them through a transformation and essentially helping them achieve their highest potential. So, um, yeah, so really, and then personally, the last part of my story is, is really, um, I am just feeling incredible because I've, I've gone through so much pain. I've gotten so uncomfortable in the last 10 years. I've, I've been obsessed with everything. I, I try everything, whether it's meditation, you know, cold therapy, you know, cold and hot therapy, you know, NLP hypnosis, like you name it, I've tried it and I want to know more about it. And, uh, I'm feeling pretty unstoppable. I still deal with, you know, mental health challenges. I mean, we all get depressed. We all get anxious and we all deal with stuff like that because life's hard. Life is very hard. But I have equipped myself with the tools to know how to cope and manage those uh, challenges um, so that they don't take a hold of me and bring me down like they used to. And I'm a different person. I am a different person. You know, if you knew me in my early 20s when I was depressed and anxious all the time and ego was just out of control, I mean, and you met me now, you would say, you know, that's not the killer I know. So hopefully that gives you a good
0: background. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. That's the cold notes version. I love it. You said so many things that I want to um, ask you about. Sure. Wow. Well, how old are you now? I'm 30 30
1: I'm 30 yeah yeah
0: nice yeah Um, so you okay cool so you said quite a few things um like when you were younger that you said you struggled with ADHD Mm -hmm. or do you still do you still struggle and or like do you take pills for that or like what are the
1: good question so um I wouldn't say like, this is the best way I would kind of talk about where I'm at with ADHD now is if you talk to the 10 closest people to me in my life, I don't think any of any of them would describe myself as, as having ADD. Um, I'm a pretty focused guy. um, And I I think I still have some symptoms. And I, I think really the biggest symptom that I still have when it comes to add is all or nothing tendencies you know people with adhd tend to have all or are very all or nothing and that is me i am i'm either obsessed with something or i'm completely disinterested but as far as holding my attention no i i i'm a very i can sit down and and hash out a lot of work um, which, you know, can be a symptom of ADD. You know, there is the hyper focus with with people with ADD, but, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, my attention is pretty locked in. I accredit that to a lot of things I do. Two of the biggest things, meditation and diet. Um, like I meditate 40 minutes a day. I do transcendental meditation. Um, I attribute a lot of my focus and, uh, having ADD at this point uh, to that um, and then I would also say nutrition as well too I mean I, I don't my, my diet has no added sugar there are some times once every one to two weeks that I'll do a little cheat meal even though I don't like calling it that but um, you know where I kind of just spoil myself but uh, for the most part 95% of my diet is zero sugar added which I think attributes to that tons of healthy fats Um, very stable blood sugar which I think is a big contributor to that but I was on medication so um, I was very ADHD like for most of my my younger years and I went on a medication called Vyvanse which is kind of a newer it's the newest I believe medication for ADHD. And I was on that for two years about when I was probably 22, maybe 21. You know, I was seeing a a psychologist and she just, you know, thought I had ADD. Next thing you know, I'm with a ADHD specialist who doesn't have a conversation with me. I walk into his office, he gets me to fill out this survey. And apparently I had ADHD and he took out his prescription pad and boom, I was on one tenth of cocaine essentially for you know two years.
0: <laughs> they didn't ask you any questions. They just like they, they, them they,
1: them. they asked me a lot of like survey questions.
0: Yeah. Like do
1: sure. you do do you get into car accidents? You know do you, you know whatever do you um like I don't know all these crazy questions and then apparently they use that to decide I had ADHD. And, I was on the medication for two years until I was finally like, I was really getting into the holistic side of things. And, you know, finally I was just like, I'm done. And, um, I went off of them without doctor's orders, which I don't recommend cause that's very dangerous, but felt I was credible enough to do that. And,
0: <laughs> and look at you now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it was a good, good choice. I, I think there's room for, this is obviously a loaded topic. I, there's room for prescription drugs. I think, there's miracles in in western medicine when it comes to pharmaceuticals but you know we we overdo it there needs to be more of a balance in my opinion
0: well so you replaced um the pills with basically a better diet um diving into personal development and fitness you would say
1: yeah like i I don't think I really thought I was going to replace it with anything. I, I think, like here's the thing: is the medication it worked to a certain extent. Like when I say I was on one tenth of cocaine, um, you know, I mean it really kind of is. Like it, it's a, um, it's a. Uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank on the the, kind of, I guess type of medication that it is it's a, a methamphetamine um so it's like a a serious drug you know and it i it worked like i was motivated i went out and i did shit like i i did a lot of shit and I, yeah i mean it was good but it was like yeah i don't know I just, it's kind of like you could drink a ton of coffee all day long and you'd get a lot of shit done but is that healthy i mean know I don't know and I suppose there are some people that are so far on the spectrum of ADD that that's probably a good thing but I was just like I I can't do this for the rest of my life my appetite was so suppressed I was you know not eating I lost a lot of weight my sleep was not great Um, it increases anxiety it can increase anxiety so yeah it it just I didn't really replace it with anything I just kind of was like I, I don't think this is what I need anymore So I went off and, and then I did, you know, like you said, I was eating better. I was, I wasn't actually meditating at that point. I meditated shortly after, maybe that's why I got into it because I needed to replace it with something, but I got into meditation around 24, I believe. So yeah, right around the time I stopped that medication.
0: And when you talk about meditation, like, did you go to classes or did you just, did you teach yourself? How did that come about?
1: So these were back in the days where like seven years ago or so when meditation was not, it was still kind of a woohoo thing. And like people would look at you with two heads if you said that you meditated. I remember I, this was right around the time I started my gym and I remember going into the gym. I I just felt in my heart that meditation was going to work for me. I just, I, I, I don't know where this has come from, but stuff like that I've always believed in. Um, and not even just stuff like in the spiritual world, it's also just anything like biohacking nutrition. Like I just, I, I believe in all of that stuff wholeheartedly mind, body, spirit stuff. And I just knew it would work and I just, I did a little research. I read a book called 10% happier by Dan Harris. He is a anchor man in the States. I believe he works for like NBC or something like that, but he has a really story he had a panic attack on live air because he had been covering the war in iraq and just started a cocaine habit and just so much adrenaline all day long that it just really added up and then he had a panic attack on live air so then he um interviewed eckhart tolle who wrote the power of now he's big in the spiritual world uh one of my like heroes in in that space and anyways he interviewed him and he went on this path of meditation he's a very skeptical guy he's a very analytical very data-driven like uh guy and and he just wrote a book about how he got into it and really kind of um you know was skeptical but got into it and talks about it from a practical standpoint and his whole theory is that it makes you 10 percent happier uh, as in the name of his book and i read that book used some of the resources he talked about And I remember literally just following my breath, I would sit in my gym when everyone else was gone at the end of the day, turn the lights off. And I would just sit there, follow my breath and put my attention on, you know, breathing in through the the nose, out through the mouth. And I could, I could barely make it five minutes. I found it very anxiety provoking, um, you know, because you're just sitting there with your thoughts. And I didn't understand what meditation was back then. I thought meditation was to clear your head. I thought it was to get into a certain space. Um, when, I mean, we can talk about what I think it is now, but uh, it, that all that was wrong and everything I was doing was very counterintuitive to what you're supposed to do. And I had a really hard time focusing for even five minutes. And now I do 40 minutes a day. Now I could do, I want to go on a 10 day retreat. You're well, probably not 10 days, probably seven day to start. It still scares me, but I think I could do it. So come a long ways. The
0: Vipassana or whatever. the silence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm not ready for that yet. Like, yeah, It's,
1: it's intense. I, it even really scares me to, to be alone with your thoughts um, is, is scary, but there is this quote by this German philosopher and I'm going to probably butcher it, but it's something like all of man's problems comes down to his inability to sit alone with his thoughts. Um, you know and, and i mean that's it is a good kind of depiction of if you can't sit alone with your thoughts if you're if you don't have inner peace you know when you are just alone with your thoughts for a few days um there's some there's some shit there that we've got to clear you know and
0: yeah, there's some issues yeah. yeah yeah so what do you think meditation is now Like if you were, if someone was like, yo, I don't know how to meditate. I don't want to, it's just sitting with my thoughts. Help me. What would you say to them?
1: Well, meditation actually means literally to become familiar with. So I think that's the foundational principle of meditation is to just be aware. And I didn't understand consciousness back then. And really what consciousness is, is, you know, and I suppose everyone has maybe a, A Different definition, but the best way I can describe it from what I've learned from very credible people is that consciousness is just The awareness of you know, everything that's happening. So we think we are our thoughts Right a thought comes into our mind that sparks an emotion, which is a chemical reaction, which makes us feel a certain way We think we are that we're not that we are the observer of that because when you get into meditation And I hope people are following me. If you're not really into meditation, this might be, sound a bit crazy, but those thoughts that create that chemical reaction and that emotion and that feeling in the body, you know, that is not who we are, right? When we meditate, we have the ability to step outside of that and become, not even when we meditate, just when we become conscious, we can do this while we're walking, by the way, or when we're on the phone. But when we have the ability to step outside of that and just observe the thoughts, the chemical reactions, the emotions in our body, that's consciousness, right? That is being conscious of those things. And the problem is is most people live in a subconscious world where they are just reacting to all of their subconscious. 95% of our brain is subconscious. 95% of our thoughts, our ideas, our emotions are subconscious. So most people are just reacting to all of these emotions and thoughts that happen all day long, whereas meditation is about stepping outside of that and just observing it. And what I didn't realize back then is I didn't realize that you need to just accept what is in a meditation. So if your brain is busy, then let it be busy and accept that and don't judge it. And then just slowly return your thoughts back to whatever your anchor is, whether it's your breath, whether it's a mantra. And then when you accept what is, even if it's negative, even if a negative thought comes in, even if you have pain, when you don't resist that, that is when you start to rise above it. And that's when you can just let go. And and that's what meditation is, is it's, becoming familiar with, becoming aware, becoming conscious and just letting go and accepting what is. So it's hard to explain what meditation is in, in two minutes, but that's probably the best way I can describe it from my perspective.
0: I think you did a great job.
1: Oh, well, thank you. That-
0: <laughs> Basically, in a nutshell, letting go. Rising yeah. up, being letting
1: good. go and becoming aware of anything. And you know what's amazing, Shannon, is um i had this amazing i've had some incredible experiences when meditating some like outer body one with the universe kind of you know um feelings and the cool thing is is that like i'm i'm not particularly a religious person i i didn't even really consider myself spiritual until you know and i still kind of have qualms about that word because it's like i don't know it's kind of i don't know if we use it properly all the time but
0: Well, I kind of think it's also because we classify it as spiritual, we're also kind of basically putting it in the box of religion, you know? 100%. Yeah. And it's like,
1: it's very scientific and there's, well, it's rooted in science. And the cool thing is, is that science and spirituality are merging in a a lot of ways. Um, I think in every way, that's my personal belief is is it will align in every way. Once we get there, but a really cool experience I had was I was in this, I love steam rooms. I love, I love, I'm so obsessed with hot and cold therapy. If anyone's listening that wants to transform how they feel and how they think, use heat and cold and do your research. That's important, but use heat and cold. But I had this experience where I was in the steam room and, you know, once you get to a certain point with hot and cold, your body starts to kind of panic. It goes into fight or flight. The the sympathetic nervous system gets activated because it doesn't know that you're in a steam room. It thinks you're, you know, on a Island without food and you're about to burn to death. So your sympathetic nervous system starts to go, your heart rate increases. And I was in the steam room. I like to meditate when I'm in the steam room and I was in the steam room and I started to get you know that feeling when you're in a steam room and you just get overly hot or even when you're on you know in a hot place you start to get really uncomfortable and it's a little bit painful almost but you can't pinpoint where the pain is it's just like your whole body gets hot and you're just like I need to go and then you start kind of panicking and normally that's what would happen I would get to that point and I would have to leave and get out of the steam room but I in this particular meditation, I'm like, I'm going to go an extra like three minutes in this steamer more than I would have ever thought I could could go. And all I did was I just welcomed the pain instead of resisting it and trying to push it away and getting scared and being like, oh, man, I'm overheating and just pushing it away. I sat in my meditation. And I just accepted it. And this might sound weird, but I actually created this little space in my body for, for the pain and the heat. So I imagined like I had this little bed and this blanket for this heat to come in and I welcomed it. And it's so incredible when we don't resist pain or when we don't, when we don't resist fear or anxiety, it almost disarms it. Right. And when we resist pain and when we resist fear and anxiety we try and push it away that gives it more energy and it was an incredible realization because i literally sat there and as soon as i started to you know get into the present moment accept it and let it in the pain went away and dissipated and then it would come back because i would lose track of the present moment and i would start getting caught up in my thoughts and then I would just go back again to letting it in and creating space for it and being the pain, like being in the pain. And again, I know that sounds maybe a little woo woohoo. It would have sounded like that to me five years ago, but man, it was profound. And it's profound because I know that anytime I have fear, anxiety or pain, it's really about having a relationship with it, letting it in. And that disarms it. It's very counterintuitive, but that's also a big part of what meditation has brought me as well too.
0: Wow. <laughs> I,
1: uh, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. I just, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I could do it. It would just, I mean, you can do anything, the power of the mind, but yeah.
1: It works for cold too. Like, I do a lot of cold therapy as well, too. And it works. <laughs>
0: well, your story the other day, we're just standing outside, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, duh. <laughs> it's freaking yeah. like negative 20 outside. Yeah.
1: I did it this morning as well, too, as minus 30. Um, yeah, I was out there for five minutes and I, I love it. It's, I don't know. It's mind over matter.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mind over matter. Yeah, yeah. I was always the person that was like, nope, hate cold water, hate it. Don't even go in like the lake in the summertime. I just don't like being cold. And my girlfriend who was on the podcast a couple months ago, Natalia, she does um, cold plunges and she takes groups out and they go down in uh, North Van. But anyway, so I went with her and I stayed in the water for like seven and a half minutes. Good for you. Mind blown. I'm like, what is going on? But yeah, like breath work and just like yeah, power of the mind. It's- and
1: and by the way, I still don't like cold water. <laughs> you know, like people think I like getting into that. No, it's not comfortable. But that's why it's that's why we do it. You know, it's like no one likes doing wind sprints on the treadmill or getting into that weird challenging yoga pose when it's like you know super hot in the room like and you're on your fourth minute of holding the pose like we don't like those things but it's the delayed gratification that we get of it. It's the growth. It's the um it's our body you know reacting to something that challenges us and our body adapts to everything and it makes us better when we go through that pain. And the problem is is nowadays we don't go through enough of that. We're way too comfortable.
0: Yeah.
1: Way too comfortable.
0: I know because who wants to grow when you're comfortable, right? The comfort zone is awesome. <laughs> you,
1: can't, you can't grow when you're comfortable.
0: Exactly. I know. Um, so that kind of leads me to a question. So um, and I feel like some entrepreneurs listen to this podcast too. So like you owned a gym and that used to be one of my goals. I'm not sure if it still is. Like you wanted to own a yoga studio. So like you actually did the thing and you owned a gym or opened up a gym. Um so what made you go from yeah like gym owning to being like this isn't for me and like helping people with their mental health like what was the turning point Yeah
1: so really good question I the biggest difference for me was that I was so that I believe that you can so a lot of us are ambitious nowadays right and and that's kind of all the rage is to like we put a crown on people who are ambitious I believe ambition can come from two different sources. Number one, your ambition can come from a fear of failure and it can come from a deep rooted insecurity and you're trying to prove your self-worth to the world and everyone around you. So that's where your ambition, you know, people who work around the clock, they're either, it's either coming from that or the other place that it can come from is you just actually freaking enjoy what you're doing and you're passionate about it. And you genuinely just want to do what you're doing and you're obsessed with it. The reason why I ended up letting go of the gym was first off mental challenges. I, I was, I got to a point where I was just in a really mentally not a great place. Um, but it was because the reason why I got to that place is because my ambition came from the first one that I mentioned it came from okay I didn't graduate high school I I the system that we use to measure success as we grow up in our development told me that I was a failure right because I didn't graduate I failed a lot of my classes and uh, here I was this you know, still this kid who didn't graduate high school, didn't think he was intelligent, um, always was told, Kayler, you're never going to amount to anything in the, the business or career world because you're not doing well in school and all this stuff. And, you know, my dad was very, very hard on me emotionally as well, too, and, and didn't, you know, instill a lot of confidence in me either. So here I was, this very insecure guy who overcompensated by just getting obsessed by you know, he realized, I realized that I had some potential in the fitness space. And then I opened up this gym, it started to get a little bit of success everywhere I went, because of social media, people were like, Hey, you're doing really cool things. And it looks like your gym is really, you know, getting traction and all that stuff. And I just got obsessed with it. And it was just like, let's see, you know, how much I can prove myself worth. And I ran myself into the ground. I burnt out so many times because it wasn't coming from a place of like actually enjoying what I was doing necessarily all the time. It was coming from a place of how big can I make this so that people will think I'm finally worthy of doing anything in this world. And that's a hell of a drug. You know, that is a hell of a drug to get hooked on. And, um, you know, I could go down so many different paths when it come to that. But yeah, that's essentially what it was, was um, I opened up that dream location that I had, I burnt myself out for six months opening it up. And then that was the best day of my life when we opened up that that facility. And you know, I, we I had everyone literally that I know that meant anything to me show up at that that grand opening and then our whole community we had hundreds of people coming to the gym and and they came through all day long we were popping champagne we had it all decorated we were putting it all over social media that was honestly still to this day just the pure feeling i had was arguably the you know still the best day of my life and then the next morning i woke up and it was time to go into business that I had built and to deal with, you know, the plugged toilet and to have the, you know, you know, more than half a million dollar lease that I just signed over my head and you know, leaving dinner parties to have to go fix the speakers and you know, it was all that that I was like, you know, and the paper thin margins. You know, it's it's not the most lucrative business from like a, a monetary standpoint. You know, and I was like, okay, I don't even like all this stuff. I I did it for all the wrong reasons. And why I'm so happy now truly is because I've just ditched a lot of, I mean, hey, we all deal with ego, but I've ditched a lot of the ego. You know, I really genuinely just want to, do this because I love doing what I'm doing. Do I want to make money? Absolutely. I mean, I'm like, of course, but, and I'm still very motivated and driven by success and achievement, but it just doesn't take over my life. It's like, I believe I'm worthy no matter what. And, and I, you know, I genuinely want to build something that has impact because that is my passion. So that's really what happened. And I'm not suggesting someone shouldn't open up a gym or anything like that. But the question you need to ask yourself when you do something like that is, are you doing it from a place of ego? Are you doing it because you're insecure and you want to prove your self-worth? Or are you genuinely doing it because you are passionate about it and you love it and you want to help people with it?
0: That's such a good question to ask.
1: And that takes going and have my old lawyer used to say he's like you gotta go have a beer by the oak tree and you gotta you know when when it came to making a hard decision that was his saying and and it that's a beer by the oak tree kind of you know you need to clear all the noise before we are able to answer that for sure is um
0: did you sell the gym is it still open
1: no the gym's not open anymore i fully transitioned into <laughs> that um i mean it was a Messy situation. anytime you shut a business down that you've had for five years and there's a lot you know people involved and you know money involved and leases involved and Binding legalities involved. It was messy. It sucked but sometimes you have to get worse to get better and This was a decision I had to make that was selfish, but I needed to make it for my life and it inconvenienced a lot of people um, but I mean it was a decision that I had to make and it turned out to be the best decision I've ever made
0: so okay fast forward to now you have so you're yeah what would you call your a mental health advocate so you call what would you call yourself
1: yeah definitely mental health advocate for sure um, mental health advocate and then I'm also a mental wealth coach um, so that's really what I'm doing as a career now I still do a little bit of marketing um and whatnot but um yeah primarily working with people and what i mean by mental wealth is i love that term because that's really what we're all trying to achieve right i mean we're all trying to achieve financial wealth i mean everyone puts a lot of weight and a lot of time into you know working on their finances but we don't work on our mental wealth and you know i i You know, I suppose some people would say, "Well, Kayla, you've dealt with mental health challenges your whole life. What makes you credible enough to work with people on their mental health?" And it's like, "Well, look, I've been on an obsessive journey for the last 15 years. I've tried absolutely everything, and I think one of—and this is not to criticize therapy because there are some amazing therapists out there. There's some amazing psychologists out there, but I've seen a ton of therapists in my day, and one of the biggest." Downfalls, or I guess vulnerabilities, or weaknesses of a lot of psychologists are some of them haven't been through what they're trying to fix, and it's like when you can speak firsthand, like I overcame anxiety, I overcame and I cope with and manage depression because I tried this and this didn't work, and I here's how I had to pivot, and you know then I tried this and this is what essentially you know worked the best, and you know that I think is um, why I, you know, really am doing well at helping people transform. And, you know, I also, you know, uh, for me, um, it's accountability, it's being in this with someone, you know, and, um, man, I wish I would have had that. I mean, therapy would just, it was too expensive. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, you know, could spend one set. I'm self-employed. I've never really had like been able to get benefits or anything. So for me it's just out of pocket and it's like, I could see them once every couple of weeks maybe. And it was like, you know, it just wasn't enough time. It wasn't enough time for them to be in it with me. And, you know, so, I'm a mental health advocate because I have the Mental Wealth Project, which is really trying to be a community and a space to provide people um, with a comfortable platform to come out and share their stories. We want to normalize the conversation. We want to end the stigma. We want to provide resources for people. And that's what we're doing with the Mental Wealth Project. And then my coaching. So that's where I'm the advocate, the, the mental health advocate. And then the coaching is very congruent with that as well, too, and, and um, is where I'm actually helping specific individuals that are a really good fit for me that I can take through everything that I've done to take me from where I was to where I am now.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Just the, the fact that you're like, that you've been through it makes you a good coach I definitely believe that because it's like it's with anything like are you gonna take fitness advice from an overweight person no are you gonna take money advice from like a broke person a lot of people do you know but it's like yeah, you, you totally. got, yeah so it's like someone has what you want you have to do what they have done so I like how you've said that
1: thank you so. yeah it's it's really important I find like yeah that I always use the like, would you get a, a haircut from someone who has a bad hair, you know, bad hair? Like it's, it's, yeah, it, it's really true. The experience side of things is really, really key. And um, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot, also a lot of bad coaches out there. There's a lot of people who are just calling themselves a coach. And, you know, I suppose maybe some people think, you know, I'm the same way, but it, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. But, uh, you know, it's just like with anything. It's, uh, you got to just believe in your heart that, you know, what you're doing is, is good and and as long as you can rest your head on your pillow at the end of the night and you know sleep in peace, then that's really what matters. Success is just in sleeping well at night. <laughs> Jody Foster said that. Oh,
0: that's good. I never heard that one before. Success yeah. is just sleeping well at night.
1: Yeah, success is in sleeping well at night. I believe that's a direct quote from Jody Foster. I think it's Jody Foster. Yeah, <laughs> I love that one. I love that one.
0: So yeah, your your mental wealth project has so turned into a community on like online and Instagram, and it, you've just also released a podcast now too.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, talk about that.
1: Yeah, like the the mental wealth project is still in its infancy. We're only coming up on I think four months old, but we're <clears throat> just over three months. Yeah, I mean it's going incredible. I, I launched a video that kind of told my story. That you know I mentioned a lot of things we talked about today. You can check that out on my Instagram. My Instagram is kaylor.bets If you want to check that out, um, just scroll down and you'll you'll see lots of videos actually. But or go to our website. Actually, is even better, MentalWealthProject.com. And yeah, I released a video, and um, you know, really to to get clear on again what the Mental Wealth Project is is you know, it's a, it's a content hub. So we are releasing this, we're we're trying to build a community. Um, again, a lot of people have already shared their stories and we're, we're getting into making videos now on people's stories. And, uh, so it's a community first and foremost, a place that people can go to realize that like, because look, the only way we're going to end the stigma is if people come out and start like it's, we can hashtag end the stigma all day long. We can, you know, spread awareness about ending the stigma all day long and i think that's important but we're not actually going to end the stigma until people see other people come out and or have courage to share their stories because that's the only way you end a stigma is is you r- realize that everyone else deals with this so it's like there's no reason to have a stigma so we are trying to be a platform where people can feel comfortable coming out and sharing their stories we've already had incredible people do so and then um Yeah, so that's on our social platforms. And then we have the podcast, the Mental Wealth Podcast. And we've had some incredible guests so far. We just launched that actually last week and are continuing to do episodes every week. So that's exciting. Um, So you can stay tuned to that. Really, if you want to stay tuned and know more about the Mental Wealth Project, go to the Mental Wealth Project, Instagram, Facebook then go to the mentalwealthproject.com and just put in your name and email and you get subscribed to the newsletter, which will really keep you in tune with what's going on. And then, uh, what else did you ask me? Oh yeah. You asked me about the podcast and then the mental wealth project. So yeah. And then we're doing events. We've done events. We've done panels. We, We, at West Edmonton mall, we did a panel, uh, on mental health and we're, we're, we did another event. We're just, we're doing our own event in April. Like we're just trying to normalize the conversation and, you know, if we can contribute even a fraction ending the stigma, then, then we're happy. I think we're going to have a way bigger impact than that, though. I, I have an incredible team that's coming on board. We've got seven of us now, and they're helping out of the goodness of their hearts. And it's it's really cool to see even even though we're in our infancy and we're still small in regard relation to where we're going to be, it's still so amazing how many messages we get of just people who're like, I've been waiting for something like this, like, you know, and, and they're, they're just diehards with it because, because we need it. The world needs it. So.
0: The world does need it. You're doing amazing work. So what's, what's, the, what's the next, what's the next thing for the mental wealth project? Like what's the What's the goal? Well, the the stigma, like what's next, I guess. Yeah. The the
1: next thing is to be the number one online resource and community in the mental health space. That is our mission. And, you know, we're, we're going to get there. I I really genuinely believe that with all my heart, like wholeheartedly, because, um, you know, I think we're, we're trying to be unique in the fact that there's a lot of, not a lot, but there's, mental health organizations out there no question but they're kind of speaking to you from like up here and if you can't see my hand obviously this is a podcast but I'm putting it <laughs> above my head they're speaking to you from up here and then you're kind of down here just on the level of like that they're speaking to you on and they're very corporate-y and they're very organizationally and and like very formal and very serious and I think that's great I think I think we need that that might have sounded critical, but I, I do think there's there's a need for that. But what we wanna do is we kind of wanna be like we wanna be the mental health organization with personality. We wanna speak to you on your eye level. We wanna be like your, we wanna feel like your friend, you know, that you can go to and you can talk to and you can swear and you can be authentic and you can say whatever you want because mental health is messy, and we wanna be in slightly informal, uh, maybe not informal, but slightly unconventional and dare I even say edgy. Like I I, I think, you know, I'm okay with being a little bit polarizing and, and just kind of, you know, speaking to people who really get it and get that mental health is real and that we shouldn't try and be all, because that's part of the stigma is if we're trying to be all fancy all the time, we're trying to, you know, be all conventional and formal. It's like, well, that's why there's a stigma. Right, that's why people are afraid to come out and say, My life is messy, you know, it's kind of all over the place right now. I'm not okay, and uh, so we want to kind of be like the I don't know, like the Lou, I've been saying like kind of the Lululemon of the mental health space. so like
0: <laughs> just going to say that, I'm like, Oh my god, yeah, well, that's, lemon. yeah.
1: That's, that's I'm glad that that came to your mind because that's wow. kind of what we're thinking, so um obviously not in any way like lululemon because we're different you know <laughs> in a different community
0: industry. feel and stuff like that in the movement that it created
1: exactly yeah exactly we want to be hip you know we want to be we want to have personality we want to be like your friend and and be kind of an unconventional yeah business or organization so wow, i think cool. that'll gain more traction than, than anything because i think that's really what we need you know and yeah so hopefully, um, I know, I know in my heart that we'll get there.
0: I, I, I know you will too.
1: Oh, thank you, Shannon. Appreciate yeah. that.
0: <laughs> I know you already mentioned it, but where can people find you if they want to stalk you like I did forever? <laughs>
1: yeah. Like uh, honestly, the, the place I'm most active is the, is my Instagram keeler.bets. That is definitely the best place to just follow me and, and, um, yeah usually make about a post a day and active on my story and everything so you can follow along my journey and and whatnot then go to the mental wealth project uh page as well too and follow the mental wealth project because that will uh, gain you an insight into really what we're up to and what we're doing with the mental wealth project and um you know what I'm sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah. And, and by the way, before we get into the podcast, DM me, like, like honestly DM me. I love, you know, social media is for socializing and we forget that we're, we're going on Instagram and Facebook and we're just posting saying, you know, look at me, look at what I'm doing and this is why you should care. And it's like, we've forgotten, you know, that we should be connecting and, and everyone talks about how destructive social media is. And that really bugs me because, it, you know, inherently social media is not, good or bad in any way it's not destructive nor is it super powerful it's how you use it and you know go in and connect with your audience And that's what I've been doing in 2020 I'm going through my followers and I'm being like yo what's your story like tell me about you like you know this is what this is for right this is I'm not just going to post all day long and you know try and flaunt myself and and you know stroke my ego i want to connect with the people that want to connect with me so write me a dm i would absolutely love that
0: i love it when people write dms you know they don't have to yeah so yeah. And I love social media for that reason too. Like I've met so many amazing people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Like I don't think I've met you or like half of my guests on the podcast. So yeah,
1: for sure. And then and then you can connect with them and on Zoom like we are right now. We can see each other. It's it's very similar to being in person. I think definitely different. Don't <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think it's it, it doesn't have to be so destructive. And I one thing I do is I send a lot of voice notes now. Um, which, which you probably, yeah, probably, yeah, we've voice noted back and forth. I love voice notes. I think it's a great way to connect. Um, yeah, so that send me a DM, uh, send me an email, kayler at mentalwealthproject.com. And then, yeah, my podcast, go to the mental wealth podcast. It's on iTunes and Spotify. We're working on getting it on other platforms, and you can see a link in my bio for, for the podcast as well, too, in my, on my Instagram. And I think that is, for now, that's, that I'll leave it there.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, um, if, okay, let's leave the audience with something. Like, do you have sure. a or like, if you've got one thing to say to them, what would you say? Or maybe, what advice can you give them for this new year ahead, this new decade?
1: Okay. Um, I would refer to my favorite quote of all time by the great Sir Winston Churchill. And he said that success is going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. So success is going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. The problem, I think, that stunts everyone's growth when they try to achieve anything or if they try to become the person that they want to become is they lose enthusiasm and we are living in a time where we can become so comfortable in our lives because of all this technology and all these advancements, which in one way is great, but we need to get out there. We need to become way more uncomfortable um, and be smart but do things that are uncomfortable, like go into the cold, you know, go into a silent retreat, Um, do that thing that scares you, lean into that thing that gives you anxiety, and do it smartly. And then when it doesn't work out, or if, you know, if we fail at something, um, then move on to the next thing with just as much enthusiasm as you had in the original attempt, And watch the freaking magic happen in your life. Because I'm telling you what, over and over again, if you just keep going from the next thing to the next when it doesn't work and you just keep trying, it will eventually happen for you. And I'm going to leave you with one last quote that summarizes all of this. And Denzel Washington said it. And he says, you know, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, sooner or later you're going to get a haircut. And that's what it's all about. And I think people need to realize that they can't give up because if they frickin' hang around wherever they want to get something out of long enough, then it's going to come. And I think that's the thing that I would say if I could just say one thing to your audience and to anyone out there.
0: Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Reach. <Three. laughs> it's awesome. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you for Thanks sharing. for having me, Shannon. This is a fun conversation. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope it's valuable to your audience.